0: New York Knicks podcast Andre Galliber season is upon us is here the Knicks start off with the Boston Celtics is probably going to be a loss this is going to be our season preview show I don't have exciting prospects for the team it doesn't mean I don't think the team is going to be good I think the problem that people run into when they start doing this kind of thing is they never consider everybody else. If you watch a show or listen to somebody actually go down and do all of the the records they think every team is going to have, you start running out of wins. You think this team is going to win 41. You think this team is going to win 44. This team is going to win 43. You start going down the line and the whole conference is is over 40 wins. It doesn't work that way. There's parity in the league. West and East, there's parity. The teams are not that far apart. Outside of Milwaukee and Boston, they're not that far apart. Okay? So, the Knicks may not have a better record than they had last year. They may have a slightly worse record and still be in the same place in the standings. Like, to me, I think that might actually be the case. Now, I'll say this. Towards the end of the year, a lot of teams are going to fall off. A lot of teams are going to Throw their hands up in the air and prepare for the lottery. And I think the Knicks might be able to sneak in some wins at the end of the season because those teams are playing for the lottery. They've given it up. Now, if you look in the Eastern Conference, I think there are two teams um, going into the season. I just don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be consistent enough across the board. That's Orlando. Orlando. Charlotte and the Wizards, I'll throw the Wizards in there. I think the Wizards are going to keep their head above water for a little while, and then they're going to be like whatever that's it. Let's tank for the rest of the season, All right, so I think the Wizards are going to bow out. I think Charlotte's going to bow out, and I think Orlando's going to bow out, so we're starting off right there right there. I think those I think those teams are are going to they're going to keep it. They're going to they're be competitive, but they're going to, at the end of the day, they're going to give it up. All right? That doesn't mean for the Knicks, they're not going to get some wins because they're going to get some wins. They're going to get some wins. I'm telling you. The Knicks are not going to whip up on those teams. They're going to they're gonna beat the Knicks, too. And they're not going to just beat the Knicks. They're going to beat the other teams in the conference, too. And that's what I'm saying. I think everybody in the conference is going to struggle to win. Con- when I say win consistently, I mean win At a high rate. Because all of these teams can beat you. I don't care what anyone says. So we. I'm focused on the playoffs. If you're a Knicks fan. You want the Knicks to be top six. You don't want them to be in a play-in. I don't even count that. Because. If you've been watching the Knicks for years. You don't have any faith the Knicks are going to win a one game playoff. Playoff series. You shouldn't have any faith in that. Right, I don't care who the team is. They could be in a playing against the Pacers, and I think the Pacers are going to beat them in a one game playoff. There's no pressure unless the Knicks are playing, uh, you know, a Boston Celtic team that fell off the face of the earth, and now they're in the playing. There's not going to, there's no pressure on the team that's playing the Knicks in the play-in. It's house money on a big stage. The Knicks, Knicks have never lived up to those moments consistently as a franchise because it's hard when you're playing with pressure and the other team isn't. You have to, have, you have to be a, a champion at heart. And the Knicks haven't been champions since the 70s. The Knicks just don't have that kind of makeup. Maybe they will going forward, but I've, I've never seen it. So for the Knicks, to me, the Knicks got to get to the sixth seed. At worst, get to the seventh seed so you've got two chances of getting the playoffs. The 8th seed, that's almost like you missed it. And I'm not breaking new the ground there. So if I'm saying by the end of the year, three teams are going to fall off, if you're trying to stay out of the 8th seed at least, that means you're competing with one, two, three teams to get to the 8th seed at least. And obviously, the 7th seventh, the seventh seeds are going to about four teams year. you're really fighting with. So the bottom four teams in the conference after the guys I mentioned, Indiana, Detroit, Atlanta, Toronto, I would say. You notice I didn't say Brooklyn. Because I see a lot of you people out there dismissing Brooklyn like they're going to be trash. Brooklyn Brooklyn is going to be a pain in the butt. If I had money to bet, actually I did place a bet already. I'm betting Brooklyn to be a 500 team. At least Brooklyn is going to win games. They showed last year that they can win even after they made the big trade of Kevin Durant and they got rid of Kyrie Irving. They still won games. They brought those key components back. All right. And then you got Ben Simmons, who's actually playing basketball now. Actually playing basketball now. They got a full training camp. They're going to win games, man. They got two way players. You got one of the best... If he's playing, you got one of the best defensive players in the league in Ben Simmons. You got one of the best defensive players in the league in Mikhail Bridges. You got guys stepping up. Dennis Smith Jr. is over there. He's hurt. Dennis Smith Jr. is actually one of the better defensive guards in the league. You put him out there for 20 minutes, he's causing havoc. He he changed his game around from the time he was with the Knicks. And he's a backup over there. You got Royce O'Neal over there as a backup. Another efficient three and D guy. That team is going to be a pain in the butt. Nick Claxton. That team can score. They can shoot, and they can defend, and they're versatile defensively. That's not a team that's going to lose a ton of games. Boston. Is, I mean, uh, Brooklyn's going to surprise a ton of people. And if you're a Nick fan and you know they have that, they have that rivalry, you're going to be pissed off if Brooklyn. That's ahead of you in the standings because they very easily could be. Very easily because of the type of talent they have. They have wings, defensive, three and D guys. They can switch, almost switch one through five when Claxton is out there, depending on who it is. Definitely one through four. That's a team that's hard to score on with a lot of length. Uh, it's going to be a frustrating year, I'm telling you. It's not, I'm telling you, it's going to be a frustrating year. Now, Detroit, I think Monty Williams is down there. I think Detroit is a mess. I think they they are a talented team. Last year, and I I said it on the show how many times, there were people saying they thought Detroit was going to be better than the Knicks. They said they thought Detroit was going to be better than the Knicks. So here they are, a year later, all they've done is gotten better. So don't jump off the bandwagon now. If you thought they were going to be competing for the playoffs last year, then how can you say that they're not going to compete now? They lost Cade last year, and then they tanked the rest of the season. They got Cade back. They got Thompson. They drafted Thompson, kid. Like, what, what are you... Why do you think they're not going to be competitive? My thing is, is I think think the the Pistons team, their roster is a little bit of a mess. It's a little bit of a mess, and that's why I think they're going to fall apart by the end of the day, at the end of the day. They have too many players playing the same positions. They have a logjam at the guard spot. Killian Hayes refuses to die. He keeps trying to get better. I got nothing but respect for this kid because they kicked dirt on this kid years ago, and he's still over there. Getting better every year Under the radar And now they're saying He's really looking good You got a log jam At the guard position You got a You got the new rookies coming in Cade coming back from injury You got a zillion You got a zillion centers Over there You got Wiseman You got Doran You got Isaiah Stewart Who might not be a center In powerful Whatever you want to call it Like You got a bunch of guys It's, it's too much going over You got Bagley over there who they started giving minutes to, trying to revitalize his career. There's too many things going on over there for them to be consistent. Bogdanovich, I mean, obviously, one of the most efficient shooters in the league last year. He might get traded. They want to go to the playoffs, so they're not trading Bogdanovich, but they have so many guys over there, you might as well move them and get something for them because you can probably remain competitive regardless at the, at the rate that you're going to be competitive at. But see, I think much like the teams, Orlando, Wizards and Charlotte, I think there's going to come a point in the season when Detroit says, you know what, let's just get in the lottery. I just think. I don't think they're going to they're not I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to make the play in, but they're going to be right around the, the play in. And I think they're going to kick rocks. They might. They might. The organization is saying they're going to keep trying. But at the end of the day, I think they're going to see the writing on the wall. And that last couple of weeks of the season, the hell with it. The hell with it. So Detroit. And, and I might have spent too much time talking about it because most of you don't think Detroit is anything. But nah, Detroit. They're not going to make it. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us now? All right. That's. Toronto, that's left. Toronto's left and Atlanta's left, right? You're going to put an asterisk next to Philly. Now, Atlanta's going to be better. They got a training camp with Quinn Snyder. You saw Trey Young working with Steph Curry over the years, over the summer. Over the years, you've heard people compare Trey Young to Steph Curry. I've always scoffed at that comparison. Steph Curry is a much better off-ball player than Trey Young is. Trey Young is like a caricature of Steph Curry in the way he approaches the game offensively. He's, not, he's nowhere near as refined as Steph Curry is, and that's okay. Steph Curry's one of the best players ever. But the way he plays is probably closer to Jordan Poole than it is Steph Curry. And for some of you who don't understand why that's a slight, is Jordan Poole scores 41 points against the Knicks, and then he goes one for 15 in the next game. Like, that's how Jordan Poole is. And like, Trey Young... Was voted by his peers as being the the person who was wasn't deserving of an All Star berth. Of all of the people, all of the guys who were in contention for All Star, and they used the media's votes, the fans' votes, and the player votes. Trey Young had the least amount of votes by his peers. People see what Trey Young is doing on the court and not doing. People think everyone's hating on Trey Young. But you saw his peers feel the same way. But I think he's a good kid. I don't know anything behind the scenes stuff. I think he's a good kid. He just needs to clean up his game and get better habits. And over the summer, he worked with Steph Curry. So now I'm like, okay, maybe Trey Young. Because he's even with his flaws, his numbers are came through the roof. He, he, was a, he was better in the second half of the season last year after shooting poorly in the first half. A lot of his uh, shooting numbers are a result of his poor shot selection. So if he cleans that up, hey, it's a lot of talent there. And Atlanta rearranged their roster. They traded John Collins, which opened up uh, some rotation minutes for some of their larger wing. Kind of like the Nets, they have big wings who can play some defense. Sadiq Bay plays defense, DeAndre Hunter is kind of, you know. If he wants to You have Bogdanovich Who was nasty business From the outside He was hurt last year If he's healthy That guy can score With the best of them Okay And they got DeJounte Murray Still there So Atlanta There was no reason For Atlanta to be bad That's why I have always Been critical of Trey Young There was no reason For Atlanta to always be Struggling to get Into the playoffs Alright So now they have a new coach. They have some, maybe some better fits. And I don't see a reason why they would not be more competitive. And And it's not like they were not competitive in the past. Right? So, again, if you're a Nick fan, you can't be happy at the prospect of, of the Atlanta Hawks being a better team than they were last year. The Nets being as good as they were last year or better. Can't be happy about it. Because I think they are. Now, Toronto. Toronto, they lose losing an all-star caliber player in Fred Van Fleet. We all know that Toronto Raptors match up very well with the Knicks on the front line. They had some nasty wars and battles last year where Fred Van Fleet was one of the main reasons why they won those games. So, I can't imagine that Toronto is going to be much better than they were last year but they have a new coach and you know maybe Scotty Barnes bounces back in his third year Uh, maybe Siakam continues to get better OG is playing to get traded he wants to get paid you might see the best of him they have they have hurdle for a whole year now so there are some reasons to think they're going to be better but at the end of the day they haven't really solved the biggest problems they had last year and that was you know consistent outside shooting and the best even though his numbers don't reflect it but the the best shooter they had is now gone so i don't see a reason to think that toronto is going to be better i think at some point toronto is going to kick kick the can down the road and 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 just play for the lottery at some point but late but late in the season so they're gonna be flirting, flirting with that eight seed still. I think, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of pride over there. But I don't see them being past that. So I think that covered the guys, the teams that are at the end uh, or the bottom, I should say, of the, of the conference. So let's just run it down. Who I think, uh, where I think people are gonna fall, at least in terms of talent, where these guys are. You got Boston. You got Milwaukee, so that's one, two. I think Cleveland. Three. Oh, I didn't mention the Pacers. The Pacers are going to be a pain in the ass. I hope everyone knows it. They have a bone to pick with the Knicks for for various reasons, fake All Star stuff. Obi Topman's over there now. It's going to be a pain in the ass. Pacers are gonna be a pain in TJ McConnell's a pain in the ass. The Pacers are playing for the playoffs. They're gonna be a pain in the ass. They're gonna be in that play. Telling you right now, it's gonna be it's going to be a disaster. Because it's a team that looking at them on paper, they you know, they should the Knicks should be better than them, but the Knicks are gonna struggle when they play. And they're gonna to lose to them. I think they're gonna to lose to them. Especially in in Indiana, you're going to see Obi Toppin go for 50. Ah, I'm telling you, I don't like this year. The Knicks just have to survive. They just have to get into the playoffs. They have to survive. They have to survive this regular season. Because they don't play with enough margin for error to be playing these teams. Because these teams, because of the way they shoot, because of the way they play, play with pace and they shoot, if they get hot, they can beat you. The Knicks, they don't play with pace. We talked about this already. They don't shoot the ball very often. They play decent defense, but they don't have um, any margin for error because they don't put enough points on the board. They They don't get enough shots up. So these young, talented teams looking at the Knicks on their schedule, especially when they have extra motivation, these guys are coming with it, man. They're coming with it. So all right, so Boston, Milwaukee, um, Cleveland, right? That's three. Now I would say, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't believe in Philadelphia until they figure out that Harden situation. I would say that the Knicks should be four or five. I say them in Brooklyn. I know. Shoot me if you want. Shoot me if you want. I I can see Brooklyn be a more being a more consistent team because of their outside shooting, because of their versatility offensively. I know I know Ben Simmons doesn't shoot, but he creates he creates more three point shots than anybody else in the league, and he's a he's an incredible player when he's playing. An incredible player. Yes, he has holes in his game. Yes, his history. is is poor, but if he is 80% of what he was, 80%, they're going to be a whole problem. Just out of respect, I'm going to say the Knicks have four and the Nets have five. Out of respect. And I'm going to say that Miami, out of respect, is going to figure out a way to be 6. And they're going to be fighting with. Atlanta and Indiana. Worst case scenario. The Knicks are going to be right there in that mix. It's going to be just like last year. Where all of those teams. Are fighting for that 6th spot. And then Philadelphia is going to be in that mix too. That's where I think Philadelphia is going to be. They're going to be right there. At the end of the. At the bottom. the bottom six, seven, eight. I think the Knicks' ceiling is to play four three, four, five. And I don't think I'm breaking new ground there. But I think the Knicks, if they're just regular schmegular, they're going to be in the mix for that 8-6 seed. With the Pacers, with a sniff in Toronto, with Miami, Atlanta... If Quentin Grimes has a season I think he's gonna have they'll be four or five bottom bottom line if Quentin Grimes, if uh, I'm sorry if IQ has a season that I think he's gonna have they'll be four or five they might even be three or four because oh breaking news breaking news quickly does not get his extension and that doesn't surprise me not one bit not one bit. Here's a guy that wants to get paid. He's a backup. He thinks he's a starter. He wants to get paid like a starter. Rumor is saying that he wants a hundred million dollar contract. Listen, Knicks can't give him a hundred million dollar contract. <laughs> okay, if folks out there think he's worth a hundred million, then they got to come out there and offer him a hundred million. And if the Knicks want to pay it, if they want to keep him, they'll pay it. They want to pay a third, a backup third guard. That money, because of his value to them on the court, so be it. But they can't give it to him before it's offered. You see some of these contracts out there. If you look at guys that are on par, look at the guy like Melton on Philadelphia. He's on par with Quickly. I don't care what anyone says. Defensively, when he starts, he's on par with Quickly. He's not making $100 million. You can say that you think Quickly's a better player. Potentially, okay. I think he's a potentially better player, too. I also think that uh, Melton's floor is probably similar to Quickly's. And that's what you're probably going to see more often than not. So, if Quickly wants to bet on himself and go into the offseason and see if he can make a ton of money, that can't do anything but help the Knicks. And for you guys out there saying the Knicks don't want to pay Quickly, no. This is business. They'll pay quickly. They might pay quickly, but let's find out what your what your value is. And if we if we can match it, we match it. And if we can't, we can't. That's business. The Knicks are not doing anything crazy. You know what's crazy is when they give Jaden McDaniels twenty seven million dollars a year. That's crazy. That's nuts. And I understand it's Knicks for clicks all the time. I understand the game. You guys make a lot of money or get a lot of engagement or whatever you want to call it when you criticize the Knicks or you make a big deal out of every single thing. But reality is that quickly, paying quickly this offseason never made sense to me. If you don't know what he's going to be worth, it doesn't make sense to give him this huge bag because you don't want to so-called lose him. But you're not gonna lose him because he's a restrictive free agent. So it doesn't make any sense. And I don't understand why you guys are making such a big deal out of it. Like the Nick, like the Knicks are trying to send him a message or something. You know, they're not sending him a message. It doesn't make sense to pay him this year. That's all. That's all it is. Don't make a mountain, into, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. It's nothing. Relax. It's nothing. And if quickly is going to have the season that he wants to have so that he can get paid. It's going to be a big year for the Knicks. Him and Grimes are the keys. They're the keys. You have to assume I think are is going to have a better year, but if those two, because they're two-way players and because of their offensive potential, if those guys have big years, the Knicks dominate some of these teams. They dominate, they dominate Detroit. They dominate Charlotte. They dominate the Wizards. So instead of losing maybe six games between those three teams, the Knicks win those games because of uh, Quickly and Grimes. Not to mention... If RJ has a season, I think RJ's going to have. It all rides on them. I think the smartest thing the Knicks could have done business-wise is not pay quickly right now, given the extension right now. And I think this, the best thing to happen to the Knicks is quickly not getting that extension. Y'all got to stop making it personal. Y'all got to stop making it a message. Y'all got to stop making it something other than good business. It just, it just doesn't behoove the Knicks to extend him right now at the number that he's asking for, unless it's a manageable number. Unless it's a number where they say, oh, nah, if if we get quickly at that number, we're we're geechy. If it's not that number, then why do it? If you want him to set the market for himself, then let him go to a restricted free agency. If somebody blows him out the water, then guess what? You, then you lose quickly. Because you know what? There's not a whole lot of teams that have cap space. Not a whole lot of teams have cap space. You guys got to get familiar with the cap. How many teams are going to sign him outright? San Antonio. San Antonio doesn't even have cap space right now. Maybe they'll have it in the summer. It it would have to be a sign-and-trade situation, which means the Knicks are going to get something back. They may not get something as good as quickly, but they'll get something back. There's not a whole lot of teams out there that can just sign him outright. Just not. So that means they're competing with a handful of teams. Right? A handful of teams. And teams that would have to send something back of value to bring him in. So I think that Knicks are just playing chess and you're, I'm pretty sure that they're shaking hands with quickly and they're saying hey man listen go out there have a the season of your life you know you go bring us a contract back from another team and if we can match it we'll match it if we can't you know good luck it's the way it is and in the meantime there may be some trades in this offseason that makes sense to move quickly in so you don't even have to be in that situation you guys act like quickly being treated poorly He's going to get paid by someone. doesn't have to be the Knicks. That's not, that's not how you show loyalty. You don't show loyalty by overpaying players. That's not, that's not how this works. right? You show loyalty, if anything, by giving him what he deserves, which is playing time. That's, that's how you show loyalty. You go out there, you play well, you do the things you're supposed to do, you play. And that's just how everyone should be treated. You don't just overpay guys because of loyalty. That's how you get stuck. That's how you, that's how you never improve. When you're walking around with bloated contracts that nobody wants. You can't make any trades. It quickly gets traded. It doesn't mean they didn't want them. It means someone else wanted them and the Knicks got something back. And the Knicks can't afford to pay $25-$30 million a year to a, a backup point guard a third guard because he's not going to start a shooting guard as good as quickly he is. He's not great against big, big players as you would expect. He's not, I mean, if he comes out this year and he shows that he is because he's improved and got stronger than great. You know, these things are always moving. If he comes out and he's lights out, then I don't think they're going to trade him. Bottom line, not going to trade a guy who's playing well. You know, a guy who's playing like a $25, $30 million a year player, they're not going to want to trade him. They go, hey, maybe we should just pay him the money. So stop making it a personal thing. This is a, I think this is good business. Obi Toppin, that wasn't good business. It had to be done. The mistake wasn't in the trade. The mistake was in how it was handled from, from drafting him in the last few seasons. That was the mistake. The mistake wasn't the trade itself. It had to be done. That was how the Knicks showed loyalty to Obi Toppin. They showed loyalty to Obi Toppin by giving him an opportunity to show out and get paid. That's how they showed loyalty to him. Okay. But here we are. We got some breaking news here. A little tweet by Keith Pompey. At Pompey on Sixers, P-O-M-P-E-Y. You've all seen it by now. He's reporting the Knicks are willing to offer a package that includes three key players. Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, and Mitchell Robinson. All available in exchange for Joel Embiid, according to sources. A trio from that group would be paired with two or three first-round picks. All right, so... A lot of people are misreading this tweet. Let's just start there. A trio from that group. So that means three players from this group. You know that one of those players is Fournier. So that leaves two others. You know that in theory, Mitchell Robinson would have to be a part of this deal. Not bringing bringing in Embiid and keeping Mitchell Robinson. That doesn't make sense, right? So that's two guys that are likely to be in this deal. So that leaves Randall or RJ. Now let's take Mitchell Robinson out of it for a second, because if you're getting Embiid, you don't miss Mitchell Robinson, right? You don't miss Fournier. So if the Knicks were able to get Embiid for either Julius Randall or RJ Barrett and three first-round draft picks, you make that deal, okay? (laughs) You make that deal. You make it. I see a lot of you guys offering opinions like it's Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson and... For- no, <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. When I heard it, I said, I-, I don't know how much Embiid is making, but that's a lot of contract. And if you add up all the contracts, it off the top of my head, actually, let me pull it up. Let me pull it up for you pull it up for you Julius Randle makes 30 RJ makes 25 so that's 55 Fournier makes 19 so that's 74 and Mitchell makes 14 so that's 89 almost 90 million dollars because there's some loose change in there Joel Embiid doesn't make 90 million (laughs) dollars so you're saying that he's they're bringing someone else they're someone else in on that deal, too. If it, first of all, the tweet doesn't say that, but I'm going to play this out. Let me pull up their contracts. Embiid. Uh, let me pull up their contracts. Hold on. And Embiid makes 51000000 million. I'm not even going to entertain Harden being a part of this deal. I can't imagine Embiid and Harden being traded in this deal. So we're not even going to entertain that. So we're going to throw Harden out. You have Tobias Harris making $45 million. So you, you would say that Tobias Harris is coming back in that deal too. All right. So you put those two contracts together, you're getting somewhere. You're in the same range. Other than that, DeAnthony Melton, they're not going to trade Maxi. I can promise you that. They're not trading Maxi. They might trade Melton, but the Knicks don't need Melton. I, just, I don't see... Why? I I know Philly wants to trade Tobias Harris. But do the Knicks make a deal for Embiid and Tobias Harris? Let me see. Is Tobias on the last year of his deal? He's on the last year of his deal, actually. He's on the last year of his deal. He's on the last year of his deal. Tobias Harris is not a bad player. And he's on the last year of his deal. You add those two contracts together, that's 56. That's 96, actually a little bit more than the Knicks are sending, but they might send some bits and pieces at the end of the roster. Like, Whew. And into Tobias Harris for Randall and RJ and Mitchell. I don't love it. I don't love it. If that was the case, again, uh, let me reiterate, that's not what the the, the tweet says. The tweet says trio of those four. But if I play out the scenario that everyone's talking about, does that make the Knicks better? And essentially... Bede is replacing two people there. He's replacing the defense of Mitchell Robinson, the rebounding of Mitchell Robinson, and he's and he's replacing the scoring of of Julius Randle. And then Tobias Harris would be increasing the efficiency shooting and scoring of R.J. Barrett, just in a different way. He's much more efficient than R.J. Barrett. It's not even a question. He's no worse defensively than R.J. Barrett is. Uh, you just don't like him. As a Nick fan, but all in all, he's not at all worse a worse player than RJ Barrett. Over overpaid, yes, but he's on last year's deal. So you would lose some of Randall's toughness at the power forward position, but you would increase your shooting and offensive prowess at the four and five with a combo of Embiid and, and Harris. And then you get to round out the the two, three logjam that the Knicks have with Hart, Dante, and Grimes because conceivably Hart would move to the starting lineup or maybe even Dante moves to the starting lineup. Probably Hart, but it's a good chance it's uh, Dante. And Grimes slides down. It, it cleans up the rotation. I don't... Hate it. Let's do it out there. But again, the tweet says Trio. So if we play that out, if we play that out, that's 52 million from Embiid. For the Knicks, if it's Randall and RJ and Mitchell, that is 55 million between Randall and RJ. And Mitchell... It's 59. So that's 69 million. Oh, no. Fournier. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Take that back. Take it all back. wouldn't be Randall and RJ. It would be Fournier, Mitchell, guaranteed. So that's 33 million right there. And assume Randall. Assume Randall. Assume they want Randall. Right, let's let's play both scenarios. So that's thirty-three million plus Randall. That's sixty-three million. That means they'd have to send a little contract back. If we traded a power forward, we would want a power forward back. And let me see, PJ Tucker falls into that scenario. His roundabout cap number, without doing too much math, falls in that scenario. Uh, I'm pretty sure they want to keep Paul Reed. Uh, the Knicks don't want to take too many players back. So they could probably find a way to get the Anthony Melton if that, if Philly was willing to, to trade him, which I doubt it, even though he's not a power forward. So I'm guessing it's P.J. Tucker that's coming in that deal. Tibbs player, Tibbs type player. I'm guessing it would be PJ Tucker coming back in that deal. So essentially, it's Embiid and PJ Tucker for Mitchell Robinson, Fournier, and Randall. And three first round draft picks. Uh, you're losing something to Mitchell. I'm not going to say you're not. So Mitchell and Randall and three first round draft picks for Embiid, you'd make that trade every day, twice on Sunday. Every day, twice on Sunday. Make that deal. You want to question whether or not it makes the Knicks better? The Knicks would essentially have no power forward on their roster except for PJ Tucker and Isaiah Roby and Jericho Sims, which actually, Jericho Sims might actually work a little bit with MB because MB's a shooter. Not ideal, though. Let's look at that scenario with R.J. Barrett who makes a little bit less than Randall. So, R.J. So, let me see. Let me do the math again. Mitchell, 14. That's 23, 33. R.J. 53, 58 million. So, that's about 6 or 7 million deficit needs to come from Philadelphia. Paul Reed fits in the net, but they're not trading Paul Reed. Uh, They could, but I doubt it. Let's see. Mike Scott, Daniel House. Daniel House might be a possibility. Not ideal. Uh, That's a trickier deal. It's a trickier deal. But they can make it work. I mean you get a player like Daniel House, who's flirting with six million. Or they can send some contract back and take Tucker back in that deal too. I don't know who in the next roster is making about five, six actually it wouldn't be five, six million. Yeah, they would yeah, they would need another five, six million. I don't want to get to rambling too much here, which I'm starting to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm just guessing they would take Daniel House back in that deal, and Knicks would just have to go in house at the power forward position. By the way, real quick on Isaiah Roby Isaiah Roby played like, what, five minutes in that preseason game, and I liked the way he looked. And y'all were trying to judge Roby off of not playing basketball for several months in the Summer League. First time picking up the ball was like a week or so before Summer League, and y'all were trying to judge him. Isaiah Roby can hit outside shots. And he's actually a little bit more athletic than he looked in summer league. But it doesn't mean he's a, a plus athlete, but he's a strong, strong athlete. Meaning, unlike Obi, who's a fleet-footed high flyer, Roby it has quick first steps and is a physical player who can take contact and play through it. Has quick feet, quicker feet than you think, uh, quicker movements than you think. He's that kind of athlete. He's not a high flyer. He's not fleet-footed or any of that kind of stuff. And that's the type of athlete that you need in the playoffs. You need guys that... Have... He's, he's more of a taking Jericho Sims' hops out of the equation. The way Jericho moves his feet, the way Jericho stops on a dime and turns around, he has poor technique, but, you know, he, he can use his athleticism, his quickness, and physicality at the same time. In Isaiah, we can do that to some extent. And he can hit the outside shot. And he's not a hesitant shooter in any way. I think Isaiah Roby has a lot to offer, to offer this team if they decided to play him. And when they cut him, even though they signed him back, I was a little surprised when they cut him. And because it just didn't make sense based on what I saw. But they signed him back. It was just some cap trickery. But back on this deal, I got to say, first of all, I don't believe it's going to happen. That's why I haven't talked about Embiid all summer. I don't like to talk about these deals. Uh, this guy who tweeted it, he is legitimate. Keith Pompey, I'm sure he heard it from sources. Just because it was offered doesn't mean they're going to do it. I don't see, I don't see Philadelphia wanting to make that deal. Uh, so, but just just from the Knicks' perspective, I see a lot of talk saying nobody wants to do it, and I think that's mostly because you're misreading the tweet. The tweet. Because if you don't want to trade Mitchell Robinson and Fournier, first of all, two of the people. Involved Fournier you don't want and Mitchell is you can't have Mitchell and Embiid you're, you're you're trading up so You can't stress that right So Fournier and Mitchell and then it comes down to RJ and Randall All, most of you 80% of you want to trade Randall. So if you can't trade Randall Mitchell Robinson and Fournier For Embiid and three first-round draft picks, which I'm sure that's a lie because ain't gonna be three first-round draft picks But that's what it says Then, then come on you're bugging You're bugging. You're bugging. And if 80% of you are willing to trade Randall, then at least that many should be willing to to trade RJ in place of Randall in that deal. I don't care how much you like RJ Barrett. He's not as good as Julius Randall. Hasn't been. Now, you can talk intangibles and how RJ stepped up in the playoffs, whereas Julius keeps melting. We can get into that nuance, and I think that's actually pretty important, but you better get into that nuance if you want to make that argument. R.J. Barrett has not been all NBA. R.J. Barrett is not shooting the percentages that Julius Randle is shooting. He's not averaging double-figure rebounds. He's not putting up numbers that only the elite power forwards in the league are putting up. R.J. Barrett is putting up numbers that that probably 80% of the league could put up if they got as many shots and opportunities as, as he's gotten. Because he's not shooting efficiently. Anybody could score 19, 18, 19, 20 points when they're not shooting efficiently. There's a million people in the league who can do that. And I'm not shading RJ. I told you I thought RJ was going to have a good year. But you can't be willing to trade Julius and not be willing to trade RJ for Embiid. You're tripping. So the three principles that would be in that deal, I'm not saying I I love it. I just, I'm just i just saying it's a no-brainer to make that trade. You, you want to trade Randall, and Randall's the principal in the trade for Embiid. You make that. Most of you don't like RJ, and, and statistically, RJ has not done anything worth not trading him as a principal for Embiid, and I don't want to keep dismissing the fact that Mitchell Robinson's in the deal too. He's one of the better defensive centers in the league. But you're getting one of the better defensive centers in the league. So if you want, if you want to go pros and cons, you're getting Mitchell Robinson's primary, most of Mitchell Robinson's pros and his and his benefit. You're getting with Embiid too. So now you're comparing the rest of Embiid to what you're giving up with either Randall or. RJ, and he's every bit as good as RJ offensively times ten, and he's every bit as good as as Julius offensively times probably three or four. So I'm not now. You might not want him because he's always hurt. You might not like the way he looks on the court and all that kind of stuff. That's a different conversation. So I mean, that's it. This is a season preview show. I think the Knicks, if they play to their potential. They're between five and three. See, if they're less than that, regardless of how the rest of the teams play, because I've already acknowledged these guys are not gonna be a walk in the park, but they should not be more consistent than the Knicks or or, or consistent to a to a level that it knocks the Knicks out of three to five unless the Knicks are poor. And that's that's where the disappointment would be. Not in the record, not in how many wins, but if they're not in that three to five seed by the end of the season, That's going to be disappointing. I don't care how much better anyone else played. That means the Knicks did not play to their potential. Now, what they do in the playoffs, who knows? I said last year, the most fun that you're ever going to have with a team is when they exceed expectations. Once those expectations come, it's not fun anymore. It's just pressure. It's just pressure. There's winning and there's misery, as Pat Riley would say. And when you win when you don't expect it, It's euphoria. But when you're expected to win and you don't, it's lights out. Until next time.